What is up, everybody? This is JT Sports, and I'm here with episode 15 of the JT Sports Podcast. This is going to be a pretty long episode. I'm going to be doing my team previews for the AFC South and the NFC North. I'm going to be previewing all of the teams in both of those divisions. And before I get into it, if you guys haven't already, if you guys are listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure that you guys go ahead and give this podcast a five-star review. Also, make sure that you guys go ahead and share this podcast with your friends, family, acquaintances. And if you haven't already, make sure that you guys subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. And make sure to follow me on social media, my Twitter and my Instagram are both JT Sports underscore. Let's start off with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, the Jacksonville Jaguars, man, a lot of people feel like the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be tanking for Trevor Lawrence. And it surely looks like that with their recent moves that they made this offseason. They traded away Calais Campbell. They got rid of A.J. Boye. And just recently, they released halfback Leonard Fournette. So, I mean, when you look at the Jaguars, I don't think they are necessarily bad enough to go 0-16. I do think they could probably win about five, maybe six games because, you know, although they did lose Luna Fournette, this is still a pretty decent offense, at least from a talent standpoint. Now, on the offense side of football, the halfbacks who are probably going to be replacing Luna Fournette unless they bring in somebody else are going to be Chris Thompson and Raquel Armstead. Now, I believe Chris um, Thompson has some familiarity with Jay Gruden and his offensive system. So I think Chris Thompson is most likely going to end up being the starting halfback. And then Raquel Armstead will just be the backup. But I do think both those guys will most likely split carries. And, you know, here's the thing. When I was talking to a friend of mine who is a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, he said that Luna Fernandez is a great halfback. But one downside about Luna Fournette was the fact that he really wasn't all that great of a pass catcher. And to be effective as a halfback in this day and age of the NFL, you got to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. And that's one thing that Leonard Fournette was never really able to do, and he was never really able to develop into a even above-average pass catcher. So you get rid of Leonard Fournette, who pretty much was your best player on offense, but you still do have a lot of talent. I mean, you got a really good wide receiver core. You got DJ Chark, who a lot of people are really high on. You got D.D. Westbrook. You got Chris Conley, who has been making a lot of noise so far throughout the Jacksonville Jaguars training camp. You also got rookie LaVisco Shinoda as well, who also has been pretty solid, and tight end Tyler Eifert. So, I mean, you still have a pretty good group of skill position players for Gardner Minshew to throw the football to and another question going into the season is are the Jacksonville Jaguars going to be all in on Gardner Minshew now Gardner Minshew came out a few weeks ago or a week ago I believe and said that Jacksonville Jaguars drafting another quarterback over him will be the biggest mistake that that franchise ever made in their whole entire history now I don't know where Gardner Minshew means by you know biggest mistakes because this is a franchise that has made a ton of them you know so I don't know how big of a mistake that could be if they draft another quarterback over him because this franchise makes a lot of mistakes so I mean you know but I do understand where he's coming from when you look at Gardner Minshew he was probably the second best rookie quarterback last year behind Kyler Murray and really he probably was in a running to win off the rookie of the year until, you know, they tried to reinsert Nick Foles. And then once they reinserted Nick Foles, that kind of ruined his momentum and kind of threw off everything. They did try to, you know, they did put Gardner Minshew back in. But at that point, you know, the chemistry, the timing was already really messed up. 
and Gardner Minshew kind of fizzled out a little bit because of that. So now we really get to see what Gardner Minshew is going to be able to do as a full-time starter starting off full 16 games for the Jacksonville Jaguars this season. And, I mean, last year he had 3,271 passing yards, 21 touchdowns, and six interceptions. He had one of the best touchdown to interception ratios in the NFL. He also completed 6% of his passes as well. Now, the biggest knock on Gardner Minshew that I always hear people say about him is that, you know, He's not the most talented guy. You know, he just has enough to get by, which, I mean, nobody really talks about his mobility. Like, this guy is really good when it comes to, you know, extending plays or, you know, getting a couple of yards when things break down in the pocket. And that's something that a lot of people really don't talk about Garden Mitchell. A lot of people just say, you know, he lacks the arm strength and things like that. But, you know, having talent is anything. You know, the guys who have the least amount of talent are the guys who pretty much end up being pretty good because when you don't have a lot of talent, you have to, you know, make sure that you, that the rest of your skills are pretty good and everything else. So although Garden Mitchell doesn't have the greatest arm, I think he's pretty accurate with the ball. I think he throws a pretty nice deep ball, you know, and I think he has a lot of mobility to make up with his lack of arm strength so you know I think that Gardner Minshew has what it takes to be the franchise quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars but it's going to be interesting to see and then this defense man so I have a lot of concerns about this defense and I have concerns about this offensive line now this offensive line I don't really trust how this offensive line is looking, man. This offensive line is kind of rough looking on the outside looking in, but maybe they could surprise me because I believe that this offensive line is pretty much built to run the football, really. I think this is a really good run blocking offensive line, but when it comes to pass protection, I don't really think they're all that great. So if the Jacksonville Jaguars have to throw the football like 40, 35 times a game, I don't think that benefits the offensive line because when you look at how this offensive line was constructed, I think this offensive line was more constructed you know, for a Warren first offense. So now you get rid of Leonard Fournette, you know, how committed is Jacksonville going to remain to the run game? So then this defense, now this defense, at least from the defensive line standpoint, I think they have a lot of talent here. You got um Josh Allen, who went to the Pro Bowl as a rookie last season. You also got Caleb Vaughn chasing whenever he's able to, you know, suit up and play. He should have a pretty impactful year as a rookie as well. You also got Tavian Bryant, who Tavian Bryant, you know, has kind of took a while to kind to come on but maybe this could be the season that he breaks out with Calais Campbell being traded maybe he has a bigger role in this defense you also pick up linebacker Joe Schobert and free agency from you know the Cleveland Browns you also got linebacker Miles Jack who is one of the more better linebackers that we have in the NFL when he's able to stay on the field then you know the front seven is pretty decent okay my front the front seven that Jasmine has isn't really all that much on my mind when it comes to the concerns on defense what really concerns me is the cornerback position so you got CJ Henderson and who else I don't really know so unless you're a Jasmine Jaguars fan do this name me who name me two more cornerbacks on the Jacksonville Jaguars roster without Googling them? I don't think you can. So you got CJ Henderson and basically who else? Now the safety position should be a little bit better than what a lot of people are giving it credit for. You got Ronnie Harrison, who was pretty okay last year, and you got Gerard Wilson, who I feel was better than Ronnie Harrison. So the safety position is a little bit solid. I mean, can they improve? Yeah, but I'm not going to nitpick there, but the cornerback position is a big concern to me. So, I mean, we look at the Jacksonville Jaguars team, man. Follow Leonard Fournette. This is pretty much the best player that they have on their team going into the season. Now, he's gone. So, you know, I have to question what is their identity going to be on offense. You know, Jay Gruden, you know, 
He is a pretty innovative offensive mind. I think he's a pretty solid play caller, you know. So what is he going to have in mind in terms of his offense? Because I don't think this team is going to be all that great running the football. Because although a lot of people can nitpick and say what they want to about Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette, when he's fully healthy and you know teams aren't stacking the box against him, He's a really doggone good halfback. So, I mean, I don't really know what the Jaguars are looking to do on the offensive side of football because this is a team that over the last couple of seasons offensively has been built really to just run the football. So, you, Leonard Fournette's gone. So, I don't really know what to expect out of this offense. So, I'm taking that Jay Gruden is probably going to run somewhat of like a West Coast-oriented offense or something like that. I think we're going to end up seeing a lot of intermediate passes. Then he's going to try to open it up with the play-action pass game. Then he's going to try to, you know, mix in the run. But overall, I don't really know what the identity of the Jacksonville Jaguars offense is going to be. And quite frankly, although I am a Doug Marone fan, I think this Jacksonville Jaguars franchise just needs to reset hit the reset button and clear house what Sean Conn needs to do. He needs to set a fire on this organization, burn it to shreds, and then bring in some new front office people, bring in a new coaching staff. Because I think that really I've seen enough out of this coaching staff. I've seen enough out of this front office. I mean, their general manager, Dave Caldwell, has been there since 2013. And 2013, I was in, what, fifth grade I believe when he first got hired and ever since then now that I have graduated high school Dave Caldwell has only been you know to one playoff appearance ever since he has taken over as general manager for the Jacksonville Jaguars aside from you know when Tom Coughlin was there a couple of years back but overall Dave Caldwell hasn't really did anything as a GM for the Jacksonville Jaguars so I believe that it hit it's his time to go, man, because he hasn't really did anything noteworthy for the Jacksonville Jaguars. A lot of players that he drafted, they're not even on the roster anymore. Guys like Jalen Ramsey, guys like who else did they draft? Uh, I can't even think of the names right now. Jalen Ramsey's not there. It's just that a lot of the guys that they drafted aren't even on the roster anymore. So it doesn't really make any sense of why he's still a general manager for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But Maybe Sean Conn knows something about David Carwell that we don't know. But this is it for my Jacksonville Jaguars team preview. I'm not really all that high on this team. I don't think this team is going to go 0-16. But I don't necessarily think they're going to make it to the playoffs or they're going to be like a contender in this AFC South division in 2020. Let's transition to the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans, man. I don't really think they're going to be all that great this year. And the reason why I don't believe they're going to be all that great isn't because they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins and they traded him to the Arizona Cardinals in a trade that they basically got robbed for and got David Johnson in return. I don't think that's the reason why I don't think they're going to be all that great this year. Because I've said this several times, I'm saying it again, you don't need to have an elite wide receiver to win games in the NFL. It just really isn't a necessity. Like, it's good to have, but when you look at all the teams that have won the Super Bowl over the last decade... Not all of them have had like top 10 or top 5 wide receivers. So you don't really need to have an elite wide receiver to win in the NFL. However, if you ask a Houston Texans fan, give me one reason or give me reasons why the Houston Texans will make it to the playoffs this season. And their biggest one is going to be Deshaun Watson. They say we're going to make it to the playoffs this year because we have Deshaun Watson as our quarterback. Now, Deshaun Watson is a great quarterback and all, but... He has carried the Houston Texans team to the playoffs over the last couple of seasons in a pretty weak division. And I understand why Houston Texans fans say Deshaun Watts has been carrying us to the playoffs the last couple of seasons. Why can't he do it this year? And I'm going to give you a good reason why he might not be able to do it this year. Simply is because this division is probably the toughest that it has been in the last couple of years. 
you're looking at a Houston Texans team that with Deshaun Watson carrying him on your back and also carrying Bill O'Brien on his back has been carrying the Houston Texans team to the playoffs that hasn't played in a great division. I mean, in this division, really, it has really only been one consistent and dominant team outside from the Houston Texans, and that has been the Tennessee Titans. And some year, a few years when Andrew Luck was playing with the Indianapolis Colts back when, before he suffered his injuries and all that. But overall, over the last decade, this division hasn't really been the toughest. It pretty much has been one of the more weakest divisions that we have in the NFL. So when you look at the strength of the AFC South this year, this is the toughest that the AFC South has been over the last couple of seasons. You got the Tennessee Titans who made two playoffs last season. You got the Indianapolis Colts who could make two playoffs this year. They have a really good team. So, I mean, you look at the Houston Texans, man, and it all comes down to Bill O'Brien. Now, I don't really know what happened to Bill O'Brien I mean, he started out as a good coach. Like, a lot of people, when they used to criticize Bill O'Brien, used to say, hey, man, look, Bill O'Brien is a good coach. He won a playoff game with Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler was one of the worst free agent signings in NFL history. And despite that, Bill O'Brien was still able to get something out of him enough to win a playoff game. So I will always give him respect for that and give him credit for that. But ever since then, he kind of has regressed as a head coach. And I think a big reason for that is because, one, he's gotten too overly reliant on Deshaun Watson. And he's starting to suffer the similar fate that we've seen Mike McCarthy suffer. Mike McCarthy wants upon a time was one of the best coaches in the NFL with Aaron Rodgers. But then Aaron Rodgers got to the point that he became this transcendent talent and he was the best quarterback in the NFL at one point. And Mark McCarthy and his Green Bay Packers franchise, they just got too complacent with um, Aaron Rodgers and they just wanted to say, hey man, Aaron Rodgers is great quarterback. He's going to be able to carry us despite not having a great defense, despite not having a great offensive line. And that came back to the bottom in the butt because eventually it all crashed and burned on Mark McCarthy got too over the line on Aaron Rodgers, gave him too much, gave him too many keys to the house, and eventually he ended up getting fired. Then Matt LaFleur came in, and they go to the NFC Conference Championship game. So when you look at the Houston Texans, man, Bill O'Brien, is he the right coach for the Houston Texans? I think this is a pretty big year for Bill O'Brien. A lot of people keep saying that it's not Bill O'Brien as a head coach, it's Bill O'Brien as a general manager. Now, give it Bill O'Brien sucks as a general manager, but I mean, his coaching has kind of deteriorated over the last couple of seasons, man. It, it feels like he's just getting too older line on the Sean Watson to do everything. So, I mean, I'm interested to see what Houston does this year, especially on the offense side of football, because they brought in a new offensive coordinator named Tim Kelly. Now, Tim Kelly, I don't really know that much about him. It's not really a lot of background on him, but I'm just taking it in that maybe Bill O'Brien, if he can, you know, get over himself, get over his ego and stop being this power-hungry maniac that he is, if he gives the reins over to Tim Kelly and lets him call the plays, then maybe this Houston Texans team may be able to surprise me and make it to the playoffs after all. But, I mean, I don't really see Houston really doing all that much because I believe that Bill O'Brien's time has ran out. And to me, Bill O'Brien is starting to look like the next Chip Kelly. You see, a lot of people had the similar explanation for Chip Kelly. A lot of people said Chip Kelly wasn't a great GM, but he was a great head coach. And a lot of people stuck by that until his last season in Philadelphia. He crashed and burned, got fired, went to the 49ers, and crashed and burned there. And now he's back at UCLA pretty much doing nothing at all so I mean 
this is a big year for Bill O'Brien. And I think that unless Bill O'Brien shows me that he has what it takes and once again proves to me that he is a good coach, I don't think Houston is going to do anything at all. Now, a lot of people also say that this offensive line is improved. My guy, 713 Houston Sports, make sure to check him out. He's also part of the Fan to Fan Network with me. He covers the Houston Texans. He's been telling me in all of the Zoom meetings that we've been in about how great this offensive line for Houston is going to be. As a matter of fact, he always tells me that the Houston Texans are going to have a top 10 off the line. You got Scarpling there, you got Titus Howard, and you got Larmy Tonson. So, I mean, we'll see because, I mean, at this point, the Seattle Seahawks and the Houston Texans have been, their fans have been telling me over the last four years that their offensive line is going to be great. They're going to be good. They high promote going into the season, and then they end up being absolute dirt. So, I mean, I'm on the fence about how this offensive line is going to be. I mean, it sounds good. I mean, the talent is there. You know, you got Tyler Howard there, who was pretty okay last year. And you got Larmy Tonsil, who is one of the, who is one of the best offensive tackles in the game. But before I can get my judgment there, I got to see what they do um, this season before I can actually... I got to basically see it to believe it. Because Seattle Seahawks fans and Texans fans have been saying that their offensive line is going to be improved for over the last four years. And we don't really see any improvement at all. But the biggest reason why I'm not high on Houston is because of their defense, basically. Now, the front seven is pretty nice. You still got J.J. Watt. You still got Merciless there. So, I mean, the front seven really isn't all that much of a problem. But their secondary really scares me. Aside from Justin Reed, who is their free safety, he's the best defensive back that they have on this roster. Foster. I mean, this secondary is kind of, you know, terrifying. I mean, you got Gary R. Conley, who, I mean, when he went to Houston, um, he had kind of like a resurgence there. I mean, he was pretty okay. I mean, he could have did it better. You got Bradley Roby there, and then you got Vernon Hargraves. I guess Vernon Hargraves is going to play the slot, which I think is a pretty good fit for Vernon Hargraves. I never really, I thought Vernon Hargraves, when he was coming out of Florida, could end up being a shutdown cornerback, but really, I just think he's better as a slot cornerback, really, because he kind of gets out physical and outmatched him most of the time that he was lined up outside. So I think if Houston moves him to the slot, I think he can be okay there. But I mean, this secondary, man, I'm on the fence about the secondary because once again, Texans fans have been telling me that this secondary, this defense is going to take a step up. And all in all, it doesn't really take a step up. The Houston Texans have also had one of the worst defenses in the NFL for the last couple of years as well. I mean, last year in 2019, they were 29th against the pass and they were 24th against the run. They were actually worse than what I expected because I thought they were at least pretty. I thought they had like a top 15 run defense. And on top of that, you lose your best run defender, DJ Reader in free agency, who signed with the Cincinnati Bengals. So, I mean, look, man, uh, I don't really know about the Houston Texans, man. It's a lot of question marks, a lot of things that they have to prove me wrong. And you're playing in a really tough division. And I know the Houston Texans have made it to the playoffs over the last couple of seasons with the way that Deshaun Watson has played. But... For all of you guys who ever took a math class, you know, you can get the right answer using the wrong method. But eventually when the problem on that math test gets harder and it gets more complicated, eventually that method that you was using to get the right answers, that was the wrong method of, you know, getting the right answer. Eventually that method stops working and eventually you won't be able to solve it at all. So you look at this AFC South division with the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans there. This is going to be a really tough division for the Houston Texans to win this year. And if they win this division, it's definitely not going to be because of Deshaun Watson. It's going to be because Bill O'Brien finally wises up. He shows everybody that he has what it takes to be a good coach in the NFL, like what he was at one point a couple of years back, man. So you look at 
the head coaches that they have in this division. I'm not a guy who determines how good a team is going to be like the majority of people based on how good a team's quarterback is or how talented of a team is. To me, it's all about coaching because coaching matters the most. Coaching matters more than anything. If you have a good coach, it doesn't matter who's on your roster. And when you look at the teams that win a division, most of the time they have great head coaches. So, I mean, you look at Bill O'Brien, he pretty much is the third worst head coach in this division on the third best head coach in the AFC South, depending on how you want to look at it. So, I mean, you got Frank Reich, you got Mike Vrabel, who I believe Mike Vrabel pretty much is the best coach in this division. You got Frank Reich with Indianapolis, he's second. Then you got Bill O'Brien at third. Then you got Doug Monroe coming in at last, man. So, I mean, Houston, I'm not really high on Houston. I think Houston is probably going to end up missing the playoffs unless we see Bill O'Brien actually show that he has the capacity and the capability to coach this team up. But overall, I just don't really have a lot of faith in the Houston Texans this season. Now that we're halfway through the AFC South, let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts. Now, before I talk about the Indianapolis Colts, for all of you guys who are watching this on YouTube, you can watch this on the audio version for those of you guys who are driving and don't really have time to navigate YouTube or whatever, or you just like listening to podcasts, the JT Sports Podcast is on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts on, you can go ahead and check it out. So make sure that you guys go ahead and check out the JT Sports Podcast for those of you guys who are listening to this on YouTube. It's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure to go ahead and check out the JT Sports Podcast. The link will be down in the description and the comment section down below so when we talk about the Indianapolis Colts a lot of people have high expectations for the Colts because basically a big reason why the Colts didn't make it to the applause last year was because they got held back by a quarterback pledge Jacoby Brissett proved that he is he's like a okay quarterback for the moment he's pretty much a good backup he's not really all that much good as a starting quarterback and we kind of saw that last season now Jacoby Brissett he didn't turn the football over but he didn't really take a lot of chances at all and the offense really struggled to move the ball with him in at quarterback so now you go in and you get Phillip Rivers at quarterback now Phillip Rivers is still a good quarterback I know he kind of had like a down season with the Los Angeles Chargers last year because he had like a incredible amount of turnovers but Phillip Rivers don't get it twisted man Phillip Rivers is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL when he's playing at a high level I mean when he's not turning the football over I think he's one of the better quarterbacks that we've had in the NFL over the past decade and the thing with Phillip Rivers is that Despite his age, he's still really productive. If you give Phillip Rivers a good team, a good off the line, and a good coaching staff, he can go ahead and he can produce for you. So you look at the Indianapolis Colts, he is playing behind, in my opinion, the best off the line in the NFL. When you look at this Colts off the line, they have literally three of the best off the line in that their respective positions. You got um, left tackle Anthony Costanzo, who is one of the best left tackles in the NFL. You got officer guard Quentin Nelson, who probably is the best off the lineman right now in the NFL. And you got center Ryan Kelly, who is one of the best centers in the NFL as well. So, I mean, this off the line is really good. I think this is the best off the line in the NFL. So, last year, he played behind the lackluster off the line for the Los Angeles Chargers. And I think that was something that also kind of, you know, um, 
played a factor into his poor performance with the Chargers last year. But when you look at the Colts, how good this offensive line is, you also have Frank Reich, who him and Rivers have some familiarity with. And then you got a pretty good receiving core. You got T.Y. Hilton, who in my opinion has been the most underrated player in the NFL this past decade. I've never seen a guy be so productive and not get talked about all that often. Then you got rookie Michael Pittman, who a lot of Colts fans have been raving about. I'm really excited to see. And you got Paris Campbell, who could have a breakout year. You also have a really crowded group of halfbacks. I mean, you got a really good halfback position there. You got Jonathan Taylor. You got Marlon Mack. You got Naeem Hines. Now, Marlon Mack is expected to be the RB1 starting week one, but I do believe that Jonathan Taylor at some point in the season could end up surpassing Marlon Mack. But if not, you got a pretty good one-two punch there. Then you got Trey Burton and Jack Dill who make up your two tight ends there. So, I mean, this offense is really good. I think this offense could be a top 12, maybe top 10 offense this year and when you look at Phillip Rivers Phillip Rivers is a guy who takes a lot of chances he likes to push the ball and quarterback play has really held back the Indianapolis Colts um last season when Jacob Brissett was their starter so I believe Phillip Rivers does make this Colts team a better team now my question isn't about how good Phillip Rivers is going to be for the Indianapolis Colts my question is going to be how good is he going to be in the playoffs? Because if the Colts make the playoffs, that's where Phillip Rivers struggles the most. Phillip Rivers has been a really good regular season quarterback, but when he gets to the playoffs, he doesn't really do all that great. And it's not really a lot of excuses you can make for Phillip Rivers not performing well in the playoffs. Because, I mean, this is a guy who has played on some really talented Los Angeles Chargers teams that have made it to the playoffs. Like, a couple of years back, he had a really good team when they got mopped by the New England Patriots. He also had one of the best offenses they ever played with um a few years back i forgot what year it was you had antonio gates you had winslow you had lt ladanian tomlinson so i mean he has played on some really good teams with some really good coaches so i mean Phillip Rivers hasn't really been the greatest quarterback in the NFL when it comes to performing in the playoffs. So, I mean, his playoff performances have been pretty lackluster. So, it's going to be a really big question to see if the Colts make it to the playoffs. And when they do make it to the playoffs, how good is Phillip Rivers going to be? Maybe Frank Reich is finally the coach that can actually get Phillip Rivers to play at a really high level in the playoffs. Because Phillip Rivers is probably one of the worst quarterbacks I've seen in the playoffs that is supposed to be a Hall of Fame caliber QB. Now, their defense is also really improved that. As well, they improved the defensive line trading for a defensive tackle, DeForest Buckner, who is one of the best at his position in the trade that he made in the trade that the Colts made with the 49ers during you know around the NFL draft. You also got edge rusher Justin Houston, who had 11 sacks last season and proved a lot of people wrong because a big reason why Kansas City got rid of him is because they felt like he was going to decline and he was kind of old so despite the fact that he's 30 something years old he still had a double digit sack season so unless he plans on slowing down I think he could end up having another double digit sack season if not double digit I think he can at least be around eight nine sacks this year which is still pretty good then you got linebacker Darius Leonard who is one of the best linebackers in the NFL in the short amount of time that he's been in the NFL he is a tackling machine he is an absolute playmaker now the secondary is a little bit rocky you got TJ Carey at cornerback you got Rocky Sin, who I think is the best cornerback that they have in the roster. And you got Xavier Rhodes. Basically, I like to call him Xavier Rhodes Open Rhodes because last year, basically, every time that he was on the field, he pretty much wasn't doing anything. Ever since Xavier Rhodes got that big contract extension with the Minnesota Vikings, he's been absolutely dirt. So maybe all he needed was a change of scenery. Maybe the Indianapolis Colts could bring Xavier Rhodes from back when he was one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. Maybe he can go back to what he used to be 
or maybe he just is washed up and doesn't have what it takes. So, I mean, a lot of interesting questions with this Indianapolis Colts team, man. Like, a lot of it is a really, it's going to be really fun to monitor the Colts throughout this season, man, because there's a lot of interesting storylines. You got Phillip Rivers, who is looking to prove that he still has what it takes to play in the NFL, despite being up during age. His NFL playing careers are winding down, but the question is, can he end his career out on a high note? Because Phillip Rivers is one of the more resilient, one of the more toughest quarterbacks to ever enter the NFL. He's coming off a pretty bad season, so I mean, how's he going to, you know, bounce back from that? Could he be NFL comeback player of the year because you don't have to get injured per se to qualify for NFL comeback player of the year. NFL comeback player of the year is somebody who has to overcome, you know, either injuries or just a bad season overall. So can Phillip Rivers end up being a finalist for that award based on how poor he played for the Chargers? And can the Colts bring the best out of Phillip Rivers? Can Phillip Rivers actually do something in the playoffs for once? Can he carry this in out Colts team to the Super Bowl? Because a lot of people have been saying that the Colts are dark horse Super Bowl contender. And I've been kind of hesitant to say that. Like, I can see it because they have a pretty good roster. But I really don't trust Phillip Rivers because when Phillip Rivers gets into the playoffs, he isn't the same quarterback that he is in the regular season. Like, he's worse. So, I mean, I'm not... I don't have anything against Phillip Rivers. I love Phillip Rivers. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL. Just that I got to be honest. He hasn't really performed all that well over his time in the NFL and the playoffs. He's not really a great playoff performer. So, I mean, Phillip Rivers... Interesting storyline to watch. Also, is Marlon Mack going to be able to ward off Jonathan Taylor? Because Jonathan Taylor, man, this dude is a freak of nature. How long is Marlon Mack going to be able to hold him off? Because Marlon Mack, if he gets injured, his job might be over, especially with how good his offensive line is. So, I mean, with Jonathan Taylor there, man, it's going to be interesting to see can Marlon Mack hold him off. Also, how good is this defense going to be? Can this defense take that next step? Can this be a top 12 outside looking in top 10 defense? A lot of questions to be made about this Indianapolis Colts team. And the most important question at all is going to be, can they even make the playoffs? Now, I think this is a playoff caliber team. I think that they should make it to the playoffs, but things can happen. The AFC South is pretty tough. You still got Houston, who I don't think is going to be all that much of a tough outing, although they do have a pretty good um quarterback named Deshaun Watson who happens to be the best quarterback in the NFL the front seven is still really good but I have questions about their defense but overall I still think they should be somewhat competitive you can't count them out then you also got the Tennessee Titans as well man so I mean if you're the Indianapolis Colts can you even make the playoffs now I believe they can't make the playoffs but I don't have them penciled in as a hundred percent lock that they will make the playoffs but if I had to predict if they would make the playoffs or not I'll probably have to say yeah but am I really confident about saying that no I'm not so I mean this coach team is a really interesting team to watch a lot of interesting storylines to watch with this team heading into 2020 now, the last team that we got a preview for the AFC South are the Tennessee Titans. Now, the Tennessee Titans are my pick to win the AFC South. I think that they are the best team in the AFC South. And not only do I believe that they are the best team in the AFC South, but I believe that they are dark horse contenders to win the Super Bowl this year. Now, a lot of people think that 2019 was a lucky season for the Tennessee Titans because nobody wants to give respect to teams that have quote quote Cinderella seasons but when you look at the Tennessee Titans I believe that this team is a legitimate Super Bowl contender on the offensive side of the football I mean you got Ryan Tannehill coming back and you got Derrick Henry who just recently signed his new contract extension 
And I believe with Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill is not a bad quarterback. I believe that Ryan Tannehill has always been between the average to above average quarterback. Even during his time with the Miami Dolphins, I was a little bit surprised when they actually got rid of Ryan Tannehill because I was like, why would you get rid of Ryan Tannehill? Like, he, he's a pretty solid quarterback. I mean, this is a guy who put up some really solid numbers during his time with the Miami Dolphins. He was never really bad. He's always been like an average to above average quarterback. So when he went to the Tennessee Titans, it's no surprise that he made the most out of the opportunity once they decided to go ahead and start him over Barks Mariota. And, like, I know I've always liked to give a lot of credit to Derrick Henry. I believe that that offense revolves around Derrick Henry. But I do have to go ahead and give credit while credit is due to Ryan Tannehill. And I think that Ryan Tannehill is going to be a pretty good quarterback for the Tennessee Titans for the next remaining years that he has left in the NFL. Now, this offense is going to be pretty good. Now, my only biggest concern is going to be with the offensive line because they did lose off the tackle Jack Coughlin to free agency who signed the Cleveland Browns. And Jack Coughlin does happen to be one of the best offensive tackles in the NFL. So, I'm going to be a little bit um, trying to figure out how they replace him. But overall, I think this offensive line should still be pretty good. Now, at the wide receiver position, you got Corey Davis in a contract year. You got um, Adam Humphreys, and you got A.J. Brown, who was one of the best rookie wide receivers in 2019. Then you also have a pretty good group of tight ends as well. But this offense is revolved around Derrick Henry. Depending on how good Derrick Henry is, is going to be how good his offense is going to be. Now, Derrick Henry is coming off a breakout season in 2019. And, I mean, he really put the NFL on notice. He showed everybody that he is a top-five halfback in the NFL. And, I mean, a lot of people, surprisingly enough, didn't know how good Derrick Henry was until we entered the playoffs. And then, you know, he destroyed the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots couldn't stop him. Then he went rum shot on the Baltimore Ravens defense. The Ravens couldn't stop him. And, ultimately, when he was going against Kansas City Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs couldn't really stop him neither. The only way um, Derrick Henry didn't really, you know, have the performance that he had against the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game was simply for the fact that Tennessee got down by so many points. They had to abandon the run game. They had to try to throw the football to get back into the game. But that game was a little bit more closer and didn't get to the point that Tennessee was down so much they had to throw the football to get back into it. If he would have got a little bit more carries, he probably would have went over 100 yards in that game as well. So, I mean, Derrick Henry is a force to be reckoned with, but... I think that Tennessee has a really underrated defense. I don't think enough people talk about how good this defense really is. And a big reason why is because they don't really have a lot of stars who stand out. Well, I won't say that, but they don't have a lot of household names on this defense, like a team like the 49ers or the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Baltimore Ravens. Like, when you talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, everybody knows who T.J. Watt is. But you ask somebody who Rashad Evans or Jalen Brown is or Harold Landry, a lot of people aren't going to know that. So Tennessee has a really underrated defense with a lot of underrated players who a lot of people don't really know about. Now, they traded away Jarrell Casey to the Denver Broncos in the offseason for basically nothing. But a guy who I think is going to step up and is going to become a household name really quickly is going to be Jeffrey Simmons. Remember Jeffrey Simmons if you guys don't know who he already is. Now, last year, he was... He didn't play like the first half of the season. So when he came back, it kind of took him a while because Tennessee was trying to whip him into in-game shape. But in the playoffs, this dude was an absolute monster. One of the biggest reasons why Baltimore lost to Tennessee was because of Jeffrey Simmons. This dude is an absolute freak of nature. Like, this dude is going to be one of the best players in the NFL quickly. 
in a matter of time. And I don't think it's going to take too long for him to do so. I believe that Jeffrey Simmons is going to have a Pro Bowl caliber season because when you look at what he did in the playoffs for Tennessee, this dude was doggone there unstoppable. I don't know how teams are going to be able to stop Jeffrey Simmons. I think Jeffrey Simmons is going to be one of the next great defensive linemen in the NFL. And I think he's going to make his presence felt this season for the Tennessee Titans in 2020. They also have an underrated group of linebacking court that I previously touched on just a little bit early on. They got Rashad Evans. You got Jalen Brown. Guys who aren't household names, but they're able to get the job done. They're pretty solid. Then you have a pretty good pass rushing duo with Harold Landry, who is coming off a non-sack season. You also got Vic Beasley, who had a pretty okay year for Atlanta back in 2019 last year. Now, the question remains to be seen with Vic Beasley's consistency. Like, one year, Vic Beasley had 15 sacks, and after that 15-sack season, we didn't really hear from him ever again. So, I mean, the thing with Vic Beasley is all about consistency. Like, can he be able to be that guy who can consistently put up eight sacks, nine sacks, and double-digit sack seasons? That has always been the question with Vic Beasley, and can he stay healthy as well? Now, the cornerback position, is also really good as well. They pretty much have one of the deepest cornerback groups in the NFL. Like they got a lot of depth. You got Malcolm Butler, who ended up um, only playing half the season last year in 2019 until he ended up suffering an injury. So once he comes back and once he's fully healthy, if he is fully healthy, I think that he is going to pick off where he left off at. He was one of the more better cornerbacks that we had in the NFL. I would probably consider him a top 20 cornerback when he was healthy, when he was on the field for the Tennessee Titans. You also got a Dory Jackson. You got the rookie Christian Fulton out of LSU. And you got Jonathan Joseph to provide some extra depth. And Jonathan Joseph, although he is based on the last leg of his NFL career, he was still pretty much the best cornerback that the Houston Texans had on the roster when he played. So, I mean, you got a lot of depth there at that cornerback position. Then you have a pretty good safety tandem with Kevin Byers, who is pretty much one of the best safeties in the NFL, top five at that. And you got Kenny Vaccaro as well. So, I mean, this is a really good Tennessee Titans team. I think when we talk about Super Bowl contenders, you got to put the Tennessee Titans in that mix. I know a lot of people want to go for the flashy picks like the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens, but I mean, teams like the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans have to get some respect as well because both of these teams, like the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans, don't really get a lot of love by the national media. So, I mean, when you look at the Tennessee Titans, in my opinion, this is the best team in this division. I think they have the best coach in this division with Mike Vrabel. We also got to talk about what to expect from off the court and Arthur Smith. Now, Arthur Smith started off 2019 for the Tennessee Titans under a lot of fire, a lot of criticism because this Tennessee Titans offense wasn't really doing nothing, was stalling a lot. So, a lot of people were calling for Arthur Smith to be fired. So, he was able to, he was able to weather the storm and get his offense back on the right track. And like I said, it all starts with Derrick Henry. I believe that Derrick Henry is one of the best halfbacks in the NFL, and I would expect him to pick off where he left off last season. So, I mean, I'm really high on the Tennessee Titans this year. I think they're going to win the AFC South, and I think they are a dark horse team to win the Super Bowl this year and 2020. So, let's move on to the NFC North. Let's start the NFC North division by previewing the Detroit Lions. Now, the Detroit Lions have been a team that I have heavily criticized throughout this offseason. And a lot of Detroit Lions fans have been saying that, JT, you're sleeping on the Detroit Lions, which is funny because these same fans were the same fans who said that I was sleeping on the Detroit Lions last season when I said the Detroit Lions won't make it to the playoffs. Well, now 2020 is here, and this is a make-or-break year for Matt Patricia. You see, I understand that the Lions have a really good team. It's probably the best team that they have had in a very long time, but it doesn't matter how good of a team that you have. 
if you don't have a good head coach, as we saw with the Dallas Cowboys with Jason Garrett and the Cleveland Browns with Freddie Kitchens. Both of those teams were really good, but they didn't have good coaches, which is why they ended up failing to live up to expectations and why they failed to make the playoffs. And with the Detroit Lions, you got a guy, Matt Patricia, who has a really good team. And now really just on it's really on him to get this team to the playoffs because he was brought in to be the guy to take this franchise to the next level. And it seems like all the Detroit Lions have done ever since they hired Matt Patricia take steps back. Now, a lot of Lions fans say that JT was going to take a couple of years for Matt Patricia to rebuild this team because he had to fix the culture. He had to set a tone in the locker room and things like that, which I can understand that. But I mean, initially, Matt Patricia was brought in to be the guy because... 9-7 wasn't good enough. So if 9-7 wasn't good enough, you was leaving me to believe that he was going to be able to get this team to the playoffs. I mean, I didn't know that a rebuild was in the description when it came to hiring Matt Patricia. I was under the impression that Matt Patricia was going to be able to get the line to the playoffs right away. But obviously that didn't happen. So obviously it has taken some years to get the Detroit Lions team to where it needs to be. And now it really is no more excuse for Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia has everything that he needs to be successful. But I still question is Matt Patricia is the right coach for the Detroit Lions. But we will see. And a big reason why I question Matt Patricia as a head coach is because this guy's a defensive-minded head coach. But yet he had one of the worst defenses in the NFL last year. And I know you guys can say, oh, JT, we had so many injuries, this and that. But I mean, great coaches are able to scheme their teams to overcome injuries. Look at the Eagles who have battle injuries for many years in a row. And you wonder why they're still able to make the playoffs? Because they have a really good coach with Doug Peter. So, you mean, if you have a good coach, you should be able to overcome injuries. Look at Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin went 8-8 eight and eight with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Doug Hodges. So, I mean, look, this is a make-or-break season for Matt Patricia. He has everything that he needs to be successful. You got all the distractions out of the locker room. You got the guys who didn't want to be there, the guys who didn't like Patricia. They're gone. I believe that Darius Slay was the last guy in that camp who had kind of like a grievance against Matt Patricia. He's playing for the Philadelphia Eagles now. So it's no more excuses for Matt Patricia. Now, Matthew Stafford is back. Last year, I believe that Matthew Stafford was better than Aaron Rodgers. And I got a lot of pushback from people saying that I was dumb. I didn't know anything about football because I said that Matthew Stafford is better than Aaron Rodgers. But if you go back and you watch the film, Matthew Stafford was better than Aaron Rodgers. Matthew Stafford was an MVP candidate when he was healthy. And if he never would have got healthy, the Lions probably would have been a lot better than what they were. Last year, before Matthew Stafford got injured and was shelled for the rest of the season, he threw for 2,499 passing yards, 19 touchdowns to five interceptions. And if he would have played the whole entire season, he probably would have had over 40 touchdowns. He probably would have only thrown like nine or 10 interceptions. So he probably would have had 5,000 passing yards. So now you got Matthew Stafford back, and you got a really good offense. I mean, this offensive line is a little bit of a question, but I don't think it's going to be all that bad. Um, you got TJ Hawkinson, who a lot of people are really high on. A lot of people believe he can have a breakout season. You also got Kenny Galladay, which is an absolute shame that he didn't make the NFL top 100 because he's one of the best up-and-coming young wide receivers that we have in the NFL. I don't know what these players do when they do these NFL top 100 lists. I guess everybody just smokes and gets high, and then they go ahead and they pencil in the people who should make the list. But I felt like it was a little bit of a down... 
I felt like it was a little bit questionable how Kenny Galladay didn't make the NFL top 100 when he was a stud for the Detroit Lions last year. Y'all, you also got Marvin Jones there. You got Danny Amendola there. So, I mean, you got a pretty good wide receiving core. Also, you got to include TJ Hawkinson in there, although he isn't a wide receiver. He is a part of the passing game. Now, the running game has also been something that has plagued the Detroit Lions over the last couple of years. Basically, not even the last couple of years. Pretty much ever since Barry Sanders retired, the Detroit Lions have failed to have a legitimate run game. So now is this the year that they finally address their problem when it comes to running the football? Now you bring in DeAndre Swift, and you're going to be pairing him up with Kerryon Johnson. So I'm taking this going to be a one-two punch there. Kerryon Johnson, I believe, is probably their best option when it comes to being a third down back. I believe that he is a better pass catcher than... Um, DeAndre Swift, but as a peer runner, I think DeAndre Swift is better than Kerryon Johnson. And Kerryon Johnson is in the bad half. It's just that Kerryon Johnson just can't stay healthy, which is why I believe that the Detroit Lions made the move to go ahead and pick up another halfback. Now, should they have drafted a halfback so early? I mean, that depends because, I mean... Kerryon Johnson really isn't available all that much, so you kind of do need to address that. So, I mean, I think that that's going to help out Kerryon Johnson a lot with the addition of DeAndre Swift because now you got two very good and very capable halfbacks on your team that could be starters on other teams that are looking for halfbacks right now. Like Kerryon Johnson or DeAndre Swift, I believe could be starters for teams like Jacksonville Jaguars, teams like the Miami Dolphins. So, I mean, you got two starting caliber halfbacks on your team. So, hopefully the Detroit Lions should be able to get this run game going. If they're able to get this run game going, look out, this could be a top five offense. And I already, I already believe that if Matthew Stafford stays healthy and when he's on the field, this Detroit Lions offense is a top 10 offense. If you guys didn't go ahead and watch my videos about predicting teams that are going to have top 10 offenses, my prediction was that the Detroit Lions will have the ninth best offense in 2020. If everybody's able to stay healthy, I think that they should. And Daryl Bevel, man, if Daryl Bevel puts on the performance that he did this year when it comes to calling plays for the Detroit Lions like he did last year, I think that Daryl Bevel could end up being a candidate for a head coaching job come 2021 when teams are starting to do their coaching searches. So, I'm really high on Denver Belleville. Now, the defense the defense was really bad last year. They had a lot of injuries, but they also had a lot of weaknesses as well. One of their biggest weakness was the fact that they didn't have a dominant one-on-one pass rusher. Now, Trey Flash was supposed to be that guy who was their dominant one-on-one pass rusher, but he only had seven sacks. And seven sacks for Trey Flowers is unacceptable when you look at how much money he's being paid. So, this is a guy who needs to step up. I am expecting a 10-sack season out of Trey Flowers, or at least nine sacks at least. Because, listen, you can't get paid the amount of money Trey Flowers is getting and only having seven sacks. And then seven sacks has pretty much been the bar that Trey Flowers has only been able to reach. He hasn't really been able to surpass that. Seven sacks has pretty much been, you know... The only thing he's been able to achieve as a pass rusher. And I believe that, you know, when you're getting so much money like that, you got to be able to get 10 or 9 sacks. And 7 sacks just isn't good enough when you look at that contract that he has. So he needs to step up. You also got Romeo Okur. You got Julian Okur there. You got Deshaun Hand, who is a guy who I really like a lot. So, I mean, you got a lot of talent on that defensive line that should be able to get pressure on the quarterback because Detroit was one of the worst teams in the NFL when it came to being able to get sacks last year. And that was a big reason why their defense wasn't all that great because, listen, when the quarterback is able to sit there and has all day to throw the football against you, of course, the secondary isn't going to be all that great. And a good way to help out the secondary is by you know, having a good pass rush because you have a good pass rush, then your corners and your safeties don't have to cover all day long. So is Detroit going to be able to rush the quarterback this year? 
That remains to be seen. A lot of Detroit Lions fans wanted them to bring in Everson Griffin or a guy like Jadavion Clowney. Everson Griffin has signed the Dallas Cowboys, so now he's off the market. And I doubt Jadavion Clowney is going to sign the Detroit Lions. So, I mean, you would like to see them bringing a little bit more help, but they just have to deal with the guys that they have. So, a lot of these guys are going to have to step up. You also have Jamie Collins, who they brought in. You got Gerard Davis, who... Gerard Davis is in a really tough situation because, I mean, this is a, also a make-or-break season for him. A lot of people, when you ask Detroit Lions fans how they feel about Gerard Davis, like, it, Detroit Lions fans are pretty split about Gerard Davis. Like, some people say he's not a bust. Some people say he is a bust. So, I mean, this is a season that Gerard Davis needs to prove himself and prove that he still has what it takes to be a starter for the Detroit Lions moving forward. You also have Jehulani Tavar, who I really like a lot. I would have liked to see him get a little bit more involved in his defense last year. But, I mean, I think he could have a pretty nice season. Now, the cornerback position is something that I'm really excited for. I think this could end up being one of the better cornerback groups in the NFL. You got Desmond Trufant, which Desmond Trufant is above average. I don't think he is a elite cornerback. I do think that he is above average. I think he's an upgrade from what they had last year. You also got Jeff Okuda, who is looking to be that number one cornerback. He has to prove himself really quickly. It's a lot of pressure on Jeff Okuda to live up to those expectations. Because when you take a cornerback in the top five or the top ten, of the draft you know that guy has to be a game changer right away when you draft a defensive back that high they have to be able to have immediate impact right away so for Jeff Okuda he needs to be a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback right away as a rookie I know a lot of you guys going to be like oh JT he's just a rookie I understand that but he got drafted in the top 10 so I mean when you get drafted as a defensive back in the top 10 you got to produce right away so Jeff Okuda has to produce right away I think he will I think he probably will end up winning defensive rookie of the year or end up being a finalist for that award. You also got Justin Coleman. You got a pretty good group of safeties. You got Deron Harmon, who they traded for with the New England Patriots. And you got Tracy Walker. So, I mean, overall, this is a really good roster that the Detroit Lions have. And I think that the Detroit Lions have a really good chance to win the NFC North. And like I said earlier, it just all comes down to Matt Patricia. Can Matt Patricia get this team to the promised land? Because it doesn't matter how good of a team you have if you don't have a good coach to go along with it. The next team that we're going to be previewing are the Green Bay Packers. Now, the Green Bay Packers are coming off of a 13-3 season with the appearance in the NFC Championship game in 2019. Now, the question is, how good is Green Bay going to be this season? Now, I don't believe that Green Bay is going to go 13-3 like they did last year, but I still think that they will make it to the playoffs with a pretty solid record, and I do believe that they will win the division. Now... The biggest question mark is going to be Aaron Rodgers in the quarterback position. Some people actually think that Jordan Love is going to start over Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not, it's like a small bit of people that believe that. Like, listen, Aaron Rodgers kind of is declining, but he still is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, see, you know what he used to be when he was in his prime. No, he's not, but he's still a top 10 quarterback. And I still believe that Aaron Rodgers is good enough to get the Green Bay Packers to the playoffs and to the Super Bowl. And the big reason why is because I'm a big believer in Matt LaFleur. What Matt LaFleur did last year is something that we don't really see a lot of first-year head coaches do. And over the last couple of seasons, we have had first-year head coaches who have had success in their first years who were able to make it to the playoffs, but a lot of first-year head coaches aren't able to achieve what Matt LaFleur is able to achieve in getting their team all the way to the NFC Conference Championship game. And a big reason why the Green Bay Packers were so successful last year and a big believing and a big reason why I am a believer in Matt LaFleur and his Green Bay Packers teams because this isn't a team that is all 
relying on Aaron Rodgers. This is a team now that is an actual team that has a great defense. Not only do they have a good quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, but they also have the ability to run the football. And a lot of people were upset that the Green Bay Packers didn't really get another wide receiver in the draft. They went ahead and they got the quarterback of the future in Jordan Love. And they went ahead and they got my guy, one of my favorite players coming out of the draft. A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. So a lot of the Packers fans were upset, but I had to tell a lot of Packers fans this. It makes a lot of sense that the Packers did what they did because they know that Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to play forever. So you always want to make a head. You guys want to make sure that you go ahead and you get your quarterback of the future. Because Aaron Rodgers can't play football forever, and he kind of is declining. And the Green Bay Packers realized that. That's why they went ahead and they got Jordan Love. Now, the reason why they went ahead and they got A.J. Dillon is because you got to understand that Matt LaFleur is a run-first head coach. And this team is built around running the football. When the Packers aren't at their best and when the Packers were actually at their worst in 2019 was when they weren't able to have success running the football. So when the Packers are able to get the run game going, that's when they're at their best. So when this run game isn't going, this offense isn't as good as what it should be. So that's why the Green Bay Packers went ahead and they drafted A.J. Dillon. So now you got a good rotation of halfbacks that you can use. You can use Aaron Jones, you can use A.J. Dillon, and you can use Jamal Williams. Another reason why they also picked up AJ Dillon was because Aaron Jones is also looking to get a new contract so I don't think they really want to pay Aaron Jones so I think that's another reason why so the Green Bay Packers really their past draft was to build towards the future and I mean this is all really a good team like a lot of people keep saying oh we need more playmakers for Aaron Rodgers like you went 13-3 and last year I don't think you were all that bad and a lot of people keep forgetting like you got a guy named Devontae Adams you literally got one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. So, I mean, why do you keep saying you don't have no playmakers? Like, a lot of teams don't even have a guy like Devontae Adams. A lot of guys don't even have a running back like Aaron Jones, who was a top 15 halfback. And a lot of teams don't even have a good off the line or a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, the fact that people keep saying Green Bay doesn't have enough playmakers doesn't make a lot of sense to me because you don't need to have an all-star group of wide receivers to win a Super Bowl. That's been proven time in and time out. Like, Kansas City is probably the team that has had the best wide receiver core that's won the Super Bowl in the past decade. Like, think about the teams that have won Super Bowls in the past. Like, the Baltimore Ravens, who was their best wide receiver of the year? They won the Super Bowl. What about the... Who else? Who else? What about the New England Patriots? They haven't really had an all-star group of wide receivers. And now I know a lot of you guys want to say Rock and Towski, but I mean, Rock and Towski hasn't really been all that healthy in the majority of the times that the Patriots have won the Super Bowl. So, I mean, you don't have to have a elite group of wide receivers to win the Super Bowl. I think that the Green Bay Packers have just enough talent at the wide receiver position to be good enough and do what they want to do on the offensive side of the football. I mean... You got Devontae Adams. Now the question is going to be who's going to line up on the opposite side of Devontae Adams. Now you got Alan Lazar, who I'm really high on. I really like a lot. But you also got Marquez Scantling. You got Equinemia St. Brown, who I believe is a sleeper. A lot of people aren't giving enough credit to Equinemia St. Brown. I believe that he could be a star in this league if he's given the opportunity. So, I mean, you got a very good group of wide receivers to choose from to decide who's going to end up being that number two wide receiver alongside Devontae Adams. So I don't think the wide receiver is too much of an issue that a lot of Packers fans, a lot of people are making it out to be. I think that Green Bay has just enough playmakers to be successful this season. Now, this defense is still very good as well. I also think that this defense is going to be better than what it was last season because they lost Blake Martinez and they replaced him with Christian Kirksey. Now, Blake Martinez, Blake Martinez is a good linebacker, but he's not a great linebacker. The reason why Blake Martinez wasn't able to become an elite linebacker is because 
He just isn't great in pass coverage. He is a good traditional linebacker. Like if that, like if Blake Martinez was playing in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and the early 2000s, he would be one of the best linebackers in the NFL. But since we're now playing a day and age in the NFL when you got to have linebackers who are able to cover and cover these tight ends and cover wide receivers that are coming across the middle, Blake Martinez just really doesn't fit the mold. And that's why Green Bay upgraded because they were able to get a guy in Christian Kirksey who is a Pro Bowl caliber linebacker when he's healthy and when he's on the field. And Christian Kirksey stays healthy. Healthy, you're getting a linebacker who's an upgrade from Blake Martinez because he can actually cover tight ends and he can cover the middle of the field, which is something that Blake Martinez really struggled. And if you ask any NFL head coach, which would they prefer? Would they prefer a linebacker like Blake Martinez that isn't all that great in coverage-wise but is really good against the run? Or they prefer a guy like Christian Kirks who is really good um, in pass coverage? I think NFL head coaches, the majority of the time, they would rather take the guy in Christian Kirk who is a better coverage linebacker because that's how the NFL game has now became. You got to be able to stop the pass. It is a passing league. And on top of that, you got to have a good linebacker that's able to cover. And Blake Martinez wasn't able to cover. So I think that Green Bay actually improved their defense by bringing in Christian Kirksey. The only question is, can he stay healthy? You also got a really good defensive line as well. You got Kenny Clark. You got Dean Lowry. You got a guy in rookie Jonathan Garvin who comes from my favorite college football ball team the Miami Hurricanes I think he's a really good fit there you also got edge rushers Preston Smith who had a 12 sack season in 2019 and Zadarius Smith who had 13 and a half sacks last season so I mean this Green Bay Packers defense should still pick off where they left off last season be a top 10 defense on the defensive coordinator Mike Penn and they could be better with the addition of Christian Kirksey if he's able to stay on the field and he's able to stay healthy now the secondary is also really good as well you got Jared Alexander who is one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL I wouldn't consider him a top 10 cornerback but I do think that he is a top 15 corner you also got Kevin King who Kevin King is a little bit shaky at times but you also got Josh Jackson there as well then you round off the back end of that second day with Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos so overall I think the Green Bay Packers should win the NFC North I do think the Lions could pose a little bit of a threat if Matt Patricia actually shows us that he has what it takes to be a good coach in the NFL because the Lions do have the best and most talented roster in this division but overall I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers to win this division once again because they have the better coaching staff they got a good quarterback you got the best defense in the division your offense should still be pretty good because they're pretty much their biggest loss was losing um brown bullock on free agency to the los angeles Chargers, but he was pretty inconsistent so i mean you bring in rick ragnar as well so i mean i think this green bay packers offense is going to be good i think a lot of green bay packers fans are just worrying too much about you know having to pick up another playmaker i think that green bay will be just this fine this season in 2020 so before I get into the Chicago Bears, make sure that if you guys are listening to this on YouTube, that you go ahead and you check out the JT Sports Podcast. The JT Sports Podcast basically has every video that I upload on YouTube. It is on audio format. So for those of you guys who just like listening to the audio and you don't really care that much for the video, you guys can go ahead and check out the JT Sports Podcast. It's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from, JT Sports Podcast is available. Also, if you are listening to this on Apple or Spotify or you choose to, make sure that you guys go ahead and give the JT Sports Podcast a five-star review. It helps the podcast out a lot. So let's get into the Chicago Bears. So one of the biggest questions for the Chicago Bears is the quarterback. Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky? Now, of course, I believe Nick Foles is an upgrade from Mitchell Trubisky because Mitchell Trubisky, basically, I've seen enough out of Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky is a really irritating quarterback to watch. If you're a guy who just loves to watch film, because Mitchell Trubisky just 
he misses wide open wide receivers. It's literally like, I remember when they were playing against the Green Bay Packs. It was a third down play. He had Allen Robinson wide open. He literally looked at Allen Robinson, stared at Allen Robinson, and looked somewhere else. Then he looked back at Allen Robinson, and he still didn't throw to Allen Robinson, despite the fact that he looked at Allen Robinson open twice and still threw it to another wide receiver. He also is really inaccurate when, it, when he tries to throw the football downfield. Um, he had one of the lowest yards per completion in the NFL. I think he only had like five yards per attempt or something like that. It was something really low. So, I mean, Mitchell Trubisky is not a good quarterback. But if you are the Chicago Bears, I think it would be smart if you at least throw Mitchell Trubisky in for a few games and see what he can do for you. Because, I mean, you did invest a lot to get Mitchell Trubisky. You traded up for this guy. So, I mean, you at least want to try to give him one more last attempt and hopefully he ends up becoming the quarterback that you envisioned him becoming when you drafted him a couple of years back. But if you do choose to start Nick Foles whenever Nick Foles starts. Nick Foles is the guy who doesn't possess the athleticism that Mitch Trubisky, like that is a positive about Mitch Trubisky that he does have the ability to move around in the pocket and extend plays. But with Nick Foles, you get a guy who isn't all that athletic, doesn't really have a lot of mobility, but he is really accurate with the football. And if you give Nick Foles a good team around him and a good coach, he can do pretty well. And with the Jacksonville Jaguars, like in the first game with the Jaguars against the Kansas City Chiefs in their season opener in 2019, I mean, he was really impressive until he got injured. So, I mean, if Nick Foles has a good team around him, he can be really good. And I think him and Matt Nagy already have some history in the past with when they were on Andy Reid's team, when Matt Nagy was on Andy Reid's staff and Nick Foles was basically the backup on that Chiefs team. They already have a little bit of familiarity with each other. So... I think that Nick Foles and Matt Nagy could be a perfect fit. And Matt Nagy has a lot of pressure on him because a lot of people are calling for Matt Nagy's job, despite the fact that Matt Nagy, I don't really think Matt Nagy deserves to get fired. Now, if the Chicago Bears go 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 and nine and they miss applause once again, then yeah, you got to fire Matt Nagy. But I don't think Matt Nagy is a bad coach at all. Like, he went 8-8 eight and eight last year with Mitchell Trubisky. I actually believe that Mitchell Trubisky is holding back Matt Nagy. And here's the thing. Matt Nagy, when he took that Chicago Bears job, he didn't get to choose who his quarterback was. Like, he just was giving Mitchell Trubisky. He had to make do with what he had. And Mr. Trubisky, we were thinking that Mr. Trubisky was taking a step in the right direction because he was a pro bowler in 2018. He was really solid. But then he kind of regressed. And, I mean, eventually just all unraveled. So, I mean... Matt Nagy has a lot of pressure on him to perform. I don't really think that his job really should be on the line this early going into year three because I think that Matt Nagy is a pretty okay coach. I don't think he deserves to get fired, but a lot of Chicago Bears fans will say different. So, I mean, this is a big year for Matt Nagy. He has to prove to this Chicago Bears organization that he has what it takes to be this head coach for this franchise moving forward. And a big reason why the Chicago Bears kind of didn't make it to the playoffs and why they were so stagnant on offense last year was because they weren't able to run the football. that's a big knock on Matt Nagy. Like, here's the thing. If you're an offensive-minded coach, the worst part of your team should not be the offense. But for the Chicago Bears, it was. This offense really stalled. A big part of that was due to Mr. Bisky. But you also got to take into the fact that they weren't able to get the run game going. So this year, whenever Dever Montgomery gets fully healed from his injuries and comes back and is inserted into the starter lineup, the Chicago Bears and Matt Nagy, they got to feed Dever Montgomery, man. Because, listen... This running game for the Chicago Bears hasn't really been all that great the last couple of seasons. So if the Chicago Bears want to make a run for the playoffs or possibly the division, they got to be able to have a good run game because nearly every team in this division is good at running the football. Like the Minnesota Vikings and Green Bay Packers, 
Both of those were two of the best running teams in the NFL. And we saw what running game, how far the running game was able to take those two teams. So if you're the Chicago Bears and you want to be able to win games in this division and make it to the playoffs, you got to be able to run the football because two of the best teams in this division last year, the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers, were two of the best running teams in the NFL. So if you're the Chicago Bears, you got to get that run game going. So whenever David Montgomery is able to suit up and he heals up from his injury, I'm expecting him to get a very heavy workload this year. And I think David Montgomery could break out for the Chicago Bears. Now, the running game can't get going if the offensive line doesn't play better than how it did last year because the offensive line really took a step back from where it was in 2018. Now, Mitch Trubisky also held back off the line. You may be like, JT, how did Mitch Trubisky hold back off the line? Well, Mitch Trubisky is kind of like a duck playing quarterback. Like, he doesn't have a lot of awareness. He holds on to the ball too long. He doesn't know when to get rid of the football. He can't sense pressure. So that kind of can hold back off the line as well. But off the line also wasn't all that great. They didn't open up a lot of running lanes and they weren't all that great in pass protection either so the offensive line has to play a lot better than what they did in 2019 they want to win games in 2020 now the wide receiver position is really solid in my opinion i mean you got Allen robinson you got Ted again who has bounced around on played on almost every single nfl team you got anthony miller who i think is a little bit slept on you got javon Wims. you got riley really and then at the tight end position you got cole commit and you got jimmy graham so i mean when it comes to the passing game i think that the chicago bears have a very good amount of options when it comes to guys to throw the football to now the defense is still great the defense is still the best part of this team the defense is actually a big reason why they went eight and eight you still got Hakeem Hicks you got Khalil Mack you got Danny Trevathan then I'm going to see what effect Roquan what effect um Robert Quinn is going to have on the opposite side of Khalil Mack because Robert Quinn had a phenomenal season for the Dallas Cowboys in 2019 so how good is he going to be now Roquan Smith is a guy who I think is probably going to end up becoming a pro bowler this year and he's going to end up becoming one of the best linebackers in the NFL because he's very good in coverage he's fast he's athletic he's quick he diagnosed plays really fast so I'm really excited to see what this Chicago Bears front seven does this year especially with the development of Roquan Smith now the secondary is still pretty good as well you got Kyle Fuller you Kyle Fuller kind of had uh okay season in 2019 you also got Jalen Johnson the rookie out of Utah a lot of Bears fans are excited about him you got Kevin Tolliver then you got safeties Deion Bush and Eddie Jackson so overall this is still a really good defense this defense should pick up from where it left off at last season so overall, I think the Chicago Bears, man, I think they have the potential to be a sneaky team that can get into the playoffs, but it all depends on how good they're going to be running the football and how good this offensive line is going to be. If Nick Foles starts, I don't think Nick Foles is going to be bad enough that the Chicago Bears don't make it to the playoffs because Nick Foles is the upgrade for Mitch Trubisky. But if Mitch Trubisky starts, then you know hopefully he's able to improve and able to become the quarterback that the Chicago Bears envision him becoming when they first drafted him a couple of years back. So the last team that we have to talk about for the NFC North are the Minnesota Vikings. Now, the Minnesota Vikings, in my opinion, lost more than any other team in the offseason. They lost Stephon Diggs. They lost Everson Griffin, Xavier Rose, Trey Waynes. They lost a lot because they were in cap hell. So they had to get rid of a lot of players. So now, who are going to be the guys who are going to be coming in filling those shoes of the players that they got rid of in the offseason? Now, a few days ago, they recently traded for Yankee Gakwe with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I think they gave up pretty fair compensation for Yankee Gakwe. 
And they're going to be pairing him up with Daniil Hunter, which I think is a pretty good trade. I think pairing him up with Daniil Hunter is going to be pretty good. And I think this is going to be a pretty good pass rushing duo with Daniil Hunter and Yaka Gakwe. And I think they pretty much upgraded over Everson Griffin. Now, Everson Griffin is still really good, but he's up there in age. So they actually got younger with the addition of Yaka Gakwe. And on top of that, you still have one of the best linebacker groups in the NFL. You got Anthony Barr, you got Eric Kendricks, who actually played really well last year. I feel like he was one of the best middle linebackers from 2019. And you got Eric Wilson. Then the cornerback position, you got Mike who Mike Hughes, who a lot of people in that Minnesota Vikings organization are really excited over. A lot of people feel he can become that next great corner in Minnesota. You also got rookie Jeff Gladney out of TCU. You got Cameron Dantzler, who is another rookie out of Mississippi State University, I believe. So you got a lot of young players that are going to be playing in the secondary for the Minnesota Vikings. You also got Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris, who Anthony Harris is playing looking to get a new contract so Anthony Harris is a guy who a lot of people didn't really know all that much about like we only knew about Harrison Smith well we didn't really know how good Anthony Harris was until free agency came around and a lot of teams were jumping at the bit trying to get him so the Minnesota Vikings were able to secure him for at least one more year I believe so they got a pretty good defense still. Now, offensively, I still think they're really good as well. Despite the fact that they lost Stephon Diggs, they're going to be replacing Stephon Diggs with Justin Jefferson, which I believe is a little bit of an upgrade because although Justin Jefferson isn't as good as Stephon Diggs, he's cheaper. You don't have to pay that big contract that Stephon Diggs was going to demand for. So you trade him to the Buffalo Bills. So now you got Justin Jefferson coming in, and you still have a pretty good one-two punch at the wide receiver position if Justin Jefferson is as good as we believe that he is. You want to be pairing him up with Adam Thielen. So, I mean, you still got a pretty good wide receiver duo, in my opinion. And the tight end group, you got Irv Smith, you got Kyle Rudolph there. And the off the line is a little bit of a question mark. A lot of people are worried about the off the line. But I think the off the line shouldn't be all that terrible. I think it should be at least average at best. And you got Kirk Cousins at, at Kurtberg. Now, Kirk Cousins surprised the well he didn't surprise a lot of people we were expecting Kirk Cousins to play up to the level of that contract because he was getting 88 million guaranteed with that contract that he signed the Minnesota Vikings in free agency a few years back so I mean we expected Kirk Cousins to play this well but he was finally able to show up when it mattered the most in prime time in the playoffs versus the New Orleans Saints because a lot of people didn't believe that the Minnesota Vikings could go on the road in New Orleans and get that victory there, but they were able to do that. So, I mean, Kirk Cousins actually showed that he was worth that $88 million guaranteed, but that was last year. That was 2019. Now this is a new season. Kirk Cousins have to be able to keep up that level of play. And you also got offensive coordinator Gary Kubiak, who is going to be taking over for Kev Stefanski, who left for Cleveland to take their head coaching job there. And Gary Kubiak is one of the best offensive minds in the NFL, probably one of the best offensive coordinators in NFL history. So, I mean, I don't think the Minnesota Vikings are going to have a drop-off too bad in offensively. I really think they could be a little bit better offensively than what they were last year. Now, this is a run-first team with Dalvin Cook. You also got Alexander Madison there. Now, Dalvin Cook is also looking to get paid as well. And here's the thing. I got no problem with the Minnesota Vikings paying Dalvin Cook, but here's my thing. I want to wait to see if Dalvin Cook can actually stay healthy before I go ahead and dish out that kind of money to Dalvin Cook. Now, good thing is that if the Minnesota Vikings can't get a deal done with Dalvin Cook, you got Alexander Madison to fall back on. And Alexander Madison is basically Dalvin Cook 2.0. He's just a little bit more heavier and weight and 
doesn't really have all that much experience as Dalvin Cook has. But, I mean, Alexander Madison is like Dalvin Cook 2.0. So, if the Minnesota Vikings can't get something worked out long-term with Dalvin Cook, I think Alexander Madison would be the perfect replacement for him. Now, this division is really tough because you got the Green Bay Packers who are the reigning division champions. You got the Detroit Lions, which I think the Detroit Lions are a really interesting team because they got a lot of talent. It's just all about can they put that talent together and is Matt Patricia the right coach to get them to the playoffs. You also got the Chicago Bears, which they went 8-8 eight and eight last year. If Nick Foles is, you know, the quarterback that we believe that he is and is, is an upgrade over Mitchell Trubisky, then Chicago Bears are also a playoff contender as well. So, I mean, this NFC North division is really tough. So, where do the Minnesota Vikings lie in the NFC North hierarchy. Well, I still think that they are the second best team in the division behind the Green Bay Packers. You got Mike Zimmer, who is still one of the better coaches in the NFL. My thing with the Minnesota Vikings is that the Minnesota Vikings aren't really consistent. Like, one year they make it to the playoffs, the next year they miss the playoffs, then the following year they make it back to the playoffs. So, I mean, can they repeat and make it back to the playoffs this year? Now, like I said earlier, they did lose a lot, but they also brought in younger players as well, which is going to help them out cap-wise. And also Kirk Cousins. I mean, is he going to be able to keep up the season that he had in 2019? Is his hot streak going to carry over into 2020? That remains to be seen. But I still think the Minnesota Vikings are a really good team. And, I mean, Justin Jefferson, man, I think Justin Jefferson is going to be the best rookie wide receiver right away because he's going to have to contribute because when Adam Thielen is going to be getting all the attention on defenses and Adam Thielen is going to be commanding double teams, that's going to open up opportunities for Justin Jefferson. Also, Irv Smith is a guy who a lot of people aren't really talking about. I think that Irv Smith could have a breakout season for the Minnesota Vikings. Now, Kyle Rudolph is still there. He's still lingering there, but I think that Kyle Rudolph is playing on his last leg. I don't really think that Kyle Rudolph doesn't really have that many years left. I think he's kind of regressing, really. I think he's just a really good red zone target, but overall, I think we should start to see Irv Smith become a breakout player in the NFL this season. He should have a pretty big role in this Minnesota Vikings offense in 2020. Now, when I did my record prediction for the Minnesota Vikings, I had them going 7-9. I actually think now with the addition of Yannick Ngakwe and what I've been hearing from training camp, I actually think they could go 9-7, 10-6. It's just that this division is so tough, and they have a pretty difficult schedule, in my opinion, this season. But I think the Minnesota Vikings do have a good chance of making it back to the playoffs. It's all about how well Kirk Cousins performs. Can he keep up that hot streak that he had in 2019? Would that be able to carry over in 2020? I also want to see what Gary Kubiak brings to this Minnesota Vikings. Vikings offense because his offense was pretty good last year what additional wrinkles is he going to add to this offense and like I said I don't think this offensive line is going to be as bad as some people think that it will be I like Ezra Cleveland who they drafted out of Boise State I think he was one of the best offensive tackles coming out of the 2020 NFL draft so I mean although the Minnesota Vikings they lost a lot they brought in younger players which is going to help them out a lot the question is how long is it going to take these younger players with a short offseason a short training camp to get acclimated to the NFL game that remains to be the question question so everybody this is it for this episode of the jt sports podcast um i'm going to be making another episode pretty shortly finishing up the rest of these team previews i have to cover the nfc east the nfc south and the nfc west are going to be those last three divisions that i'm going to be covering in the next episode of the jt sports podcast but for those of you guys who are watching this on apple and spotify make sure that you guys go ahead and leave a five-star review on the podcast share with your friends family acquaintances also make sure if you haven't already that you guys subscribe to my youtube 
YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is JT Sports. Make sure to follow me on social media. My Instagram and my Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. And thank you guys for watching.